Welcome to the Future Female Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Harrop, and it's my mission to help create more female leaders in the workplace. In today's episode with my guest, we are going to answer the question of how you can benefit from the power of male allyship at work. But real quick, if you have not booked your complimentary leadership assessment call, these have been going so well. I love the conversations I'm having with women specifically around job interviews and how to confidently show up as an introvert, for example. I also had someone else who has been in their career for 20 years and wanted to know how I got started in coaching. So the sky's the limit. If you have something career-related or want to talk to me about my business, I would be so happy to chat with you in these complimentary leadership assessment calls. Be sure to click the link in the show notes to schedule yours, and I can't wait to talk to you soon. All right, as you know, the topic this week is on male allyship in the workplace, and most people tuning into this podcast identify as female. So we're adjusting it a little bit in how you can help empower and communicate with your male allies in the workplace to have a stronger relationship, to get these mentors to become sponsors for you, and how you approach those conversations to have improved relationships that end up helping you to flourish and grow in your career. I am going to be bringing on Robin Scribner with me today, who is an absolutely phenomenal individual and has so much to offer in terms of male allyship, so much so that she researched and created a policy brief with a couple other amazing women around strategies that male allies use to advance women in the workplace, which I will link in the show notes as well. Definitely worth a read to understand and dive a little bit deeper on how male allies can best support you. It's different for each of us. So if you read that research and policy brief, you will be able to take some insights from that and recognize where you might want additional support. And that is a great starting point to reach out to your male allies to start having a discussion around how they can continue to support you best in your career. All right, let me introduce you to this week's guest, Robin Scribner. Robin, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. It's great to talk to you. Amazing. All right, Robin and I got connected through the Tech Mom community here in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm extremely passionate about Tech Moms and everything that they're doing. And I got connected with Robin because I did a speaking event for them. And it was so much fun preparing some content for the women that go through your program and been connected with Robin ever since and super excited about our topic today. Robin, I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself personally, professionally, whatever you'd like to share. Thanks so much. So I have spent my career focused on 
women's empowerment, women's education, women's leadership, but most of all, women's career development and labor force participation. And I, I talk about the fact that most people, when they start a program or initiative, especially a nonprofit, they're really starting it to help people like themselves, right? The, the things that we care about most are mm -hmm. the things that affect us. So I lived the life of a tech mom in a lot of ways. I, I have six kids. I took a long career break. I moved overseas for a while, so I couldn't work. But but also when I moved back to the States, I kept trying to get back into work, but then I was always pregnant or I had a new baby or whatever. And mm -hmm. so it just never felt like the wrong right time. And so um, when, when I finally re-entered the workforce, I'd taken a career break of about 15 years. And I had always been really passionate about helping women find jobs. I, I'm a natural headhunter, a natural career connector. And so all the time people come to me and say, I need to find a job. I'm like, oh, let me help you look. I love looking at jobs. And, and all the time I look at jobs, I'm like, oh my gosh, I want this job. This looks amazing. And so I've always loved careers. Um, but when I went back into the workforce, I, I lived the life of a relauncher a little bit. And, and my reentry into the workforce was very, very smooth. I think uncharacteristically smooth. Mm -hmm. um, I know that is not the case for so many thousands and hundreds of thousands of women across the United States. And so my previous job, which was at the Utah Women in Leadership Project, and we're going to be talking a little bit about them today as we discuss male allyship and our research there. And so when I went back to work, I was focused on a lot of different issues, but I kept coming back to women's careers, women's professional success. And, and even though all the other topics that they focused on at the Utah Women in Leadership Project are important and valuable, my heart is really with helping women find careers that work with their lives, helping them find the success they need, need and mm -hmm. to navigate in and out of the workforce as needed with with their six kids, with caring for an aging parent, with life pursuits or health issues or or all these other things. And so I joined with two amazing partners, Trina Limpert and Mikkel Blake, to found Tech Moms in March of 2020, which you all remember. It's a really perfect time to start a new business or do whatever. <laughs> right. But you know, even with the with the onset of the pandemic in March of 2020, we had already had our cohorts planned. We were ready to move forward. And we took a really hard look and said, can we really do this right now? Everything's so uncertain. The world is crazy. And as we watched the tremendous impact that the pandemic had on women's careers across the nation and the very negative way that women's lives and their professional lives and personal lives were being impacted, we said now more than ever, we have to start something like this. We have to give women opportunities to find better jobs, more flexibility, better pay, all the things that they can find in tech while still raising their families and homeschooling and doing all the other crazy things that women were doing during the pandemic and, and in their lives in general. So we've been going now for about three years. It's now March yeah. of 2023. So we've been going strong for three years. Um, we put about 350 women through our program. We just had a double graduation a couple of days ago. It was amazing the way that women, when when some of their barriers are removed, when they have a little support to get jump started and the world opens up to them, the the things that these women are able to accomplish and the ways their lives are elevated, their families' lives are bettered, is just absolutely inspiring. And so I've been thrilled to be with this program. And we love great supporters and volunteers, people who come in like you and say, mm -hmm. how can I help the Tech Moms community and, and help these women learning to grow? And so, Nicole, it's been great to get to know you and, and have your support in the work that we're doing. Absolutely. And as everyone listening, it's no surprise why Robin is hanging out with us here today. Such a big heart, especially for women and moms going back into the workplace. And 
finding that success. Yeah, I was telling Robin about an event that I attended last week where I had the opportunity to see some of these tech mom graduates speak. And, you know, once you actually get to hear people's stories and what they've gone through, and like you said, the barriers that were removed through that program is amazing. So in any way that, you know, people are listening and feeling like, how can I give back? It's doing those little things of reaching out and your connections on LinkedIn and simply saying, how can I help? Maybe it's a a donation. Maybe it's, you know, spreading the word about a program or whatever that might be to make a difference. Every, Every person can help push an initiative a little bit farther. So I love that. I love all the work that you're doing specifically and, you know, today's topic on male allies. I guess I'll ask you, because clearly you have such a passion for all of these different areas for women in the workplace. And like we said, removing the barriers, this research brief that you did on male allyship, I wondered, why are you so passionate about male allyship in the workplace specifically? That's a great question. And this is something that we talk about all the time in our work with tech moms. We are working specifically to help women, but it's not because we don't love men. You know, it's not because we we are playing a zero-sum game and we want to help women at the expense of men. I truly believe in the law of abundance and also the fact that as all of us work together, our teams, our organizations, our companies, our communities are so much stronger. So male allies are absolutely critical in our work to help support women for a wide variety of reasons, because we all have different perspectives and and ways to contribute and help each other. But specifically in the industry that we're working with in tech, here in the state of Utah especially, but actually globally, it is a male-dominated industry. And so the people Mm -hmm. with power, with influence, with the ability to make the positive changes that we want to see in our organizations are and traditionally have been men. And so for us to say, we're going to help women advance and move forward without engaging the wonderful men within our companies who want to be involved, who want to help and want to see women Mm -hmm. succeed. It's just a fool's errand. There's no way we're going to have any success. And so we have been thrilled in my work prior to coming to Tech Moms and certainly in my work since then, seeing how many wonderful, great men there are who recognize that they probably have some unconscious biases that they don't know about, that they Mm -hmm. haven't always done the best in the past at noticing the needs and the ways that they can meet those needs, those unmet needs within their communities. But, But guys who just, who want to do better who want to recognize that they their own careers will be better as they talk to more women, that their teams will be better and that their companies will be stronger and that their companies will make more money. We all know that diverse organizations are more successful organizations. And so these men, they can have altruistic motives and they do, but they will also be rewarded with bottom line business case rewards for engaging more women in their companies. I love that. And it specifically reminds me, I went to this networking lunch a few weeks ago and there was a male leader and he works with an all-female team, which I thought was really cool. And he has some unconscious bias towards a couple of women on his team. And he was coming from a place of, right, he found out what I do and I help create more leaders in the workplace and specifically have a passion for women. And he said, you know, how can I be a better leader to these women on my team. So I love that he was recognizing where he could improve. But he said things like, you know, this this one gal, she's always coming up to me and telling me, oh, you should know this or you should do this or why aren't you doing these things and referred to her, I think, as like a little spicy. 
And I I helped him unpack that a little bit. And we kind of turned it into a little coaching session right there with everyone at lunch. And I love having additional ears, right, of these other male allies as well around that same table. And I, I just unpacked that a little bit. Well, tell me more about her. What, why is she coming to you? Do you know like why she's asking you these things? And as we were able to unpack this, it sounds like she wants to be recognized for knowing how she's impacting the work. She wants to be recognized for her ability to recognize the different things that maybe he's not seeing on a day-to-day because he's not right there on you know, the warehouse floor. And so I I gave him some advice on how he can turn that back to her and empower her and and thank her for her contributions. And sometimes it's just a matter of like recognizing how we can empower people in the right ways. But he's never led a team of only women. And he very much said, like, I need some help from a female perspective. And after that conversation, he felt really appreciate appreciative of the help and guidance and just recognizing that. He was thinking more from, again, his male lens of, you know, put your heads down and work. And that was his perception and idea. And so talking through that was really helpful for him. I love that what you said there. And and I will lead with the very most important key takeaway from this entire research brief. We we can get back to it a little bit later, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but open communication, right? Open and clear communication between individuals is absolutely essential if men are to learn how to be the kind of allies that women need them to be and if women are going to get the support and help that they need. And Mm -hmm. so I love that you had that conversation with him because you helped him understand this thing that she's doing that you don't necessarily love. Why is she doing it? You need to have these conversations with her. She needs something that she's not getting. Why is that? And then even like the terms, like she's a little bit spicy, different things like that. What are your unconscious biases coming about? Would you ever call a man a little bit spicy if he had come up with the same thing? So, so I love those conversations. And I mean, one of the things that we found in this research study, and again, this was done with the Utah Women in Leadership Project. I had two partners on this, Dr. Susan Madsen and Dr. April Townsend, both great researchers and women with tons of experience working with male allies and being leaders in their own Mm -hmm. fields and realms. We surveyed both men and women and asked them what types of allyship behaviors, attitudes, and actions that were taking place in the workplace that were most successful. So we asked the men, what are you doing to be a great ally? And men, you know, said certain things and they came across and were grouped into specific themes. And then we asked women the same question, what are men doing to be great allies for you? And women answered the same question. And they, there was a lot of overlap, but there was actually a lot of distinction. And so that's why it's so important to have these open conversations, as you mentioned, because men might think they're doing exactly the right thing to support the women in their organization, and they might be wrong. And they will never know until they have a great conversation with a woman that they trust who has the space to be honest Mm -hmm. and that they can both be vulnerable and learn how can we have better relationships and better interactions so that all of us are growing and moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, that communication because, right, intention doesn't necessarily mean that that is coming through in the right way. Similar to that conversation I had with that gentleman, he, there wasn't clarity on who that gal should report to with any questions or concerns. And so because there wasn't clear boundaries or expectations, she was doing the best that she could with the information information that she had. So I love that you're saying hi, 
have that open communication so that you're able to, you know, touch base and have some of that self-awareness as well. Are your intentions actually coming across and actually being helpful? That leads me to wondering through this research brief that you did, Robin, was there anything that surprised you? I know you mentioned that there were some distinctions. What what surprised you when writing this research brief? One of the things that surprised me a little bit, again, was seeing the differences between men and women. And they came up in specific areas. So I'll give you one example. Mm -hmm. uh, men talked about one of the things that they did that was valuable to women was give them recognition. Right. And they talked about public recognition. I nominated for her for an award in a board meeting. I called her out for doing something wonderful. Called out. Is that the right phrase? Uh -huh. I, I gave her props <laughs> yeah. for, for doing something wonderful. I nominated her for a promotion. I did these other things. And so they talked about public re recognition. And the women also mentioned recognition. And they talked about that public recognition and how important it was. But women, much more so than men, also talked about private recognition and how in those one-on-one -on -one conversations they, that they were having with their male allies, their sponsors, their mentors, just hearing that personally in a one-on-one -on -one level, how powerful it was for them. And, and there's a lot to unpack there if we want to, right? How, yeah. how many women in our culture, because of our society and some expectations and things like that, women aren't feeling the self-confidence that a man might have just to know within themselves, of course, I'm doing a great job. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm amazing. I've got all this going on. So many men feel that because their society has taught them to feel that. And women, even though they're doing equally as great a job, they, they haven't been taught to believe that about themselves. And so women in those private conversations recognized, oh, I am doing a great job. I know because he has seen this in me. One, one of the women actually said, because he believed in me, I could start to believe in myself. And so, you know, the, that could get us down the therapy route and all these other things, right? <laughs> but just to know where we are right now, it is super valuable for men to give not just the public recognition, but the private one-on-one -on -one conversations. You have got this. You're doing a great job. So um, that was one thing. Another thing that I that I wanted to talk about that I think is really important in this conversation. And it didn't necessarily surprise me, but I think it's absolutely key. Getting back what you were talking to just a minute ago about mm -hmm. intentions. Uh, one of the things that we see all the time in the conversation on allyship and not just gender allyship, in racial allyship, in you know people with disabilities or the LGBTQ community or whatever, people who want to be allies are scared to do it because they don't want to do it wrong. And mm -hmm. I personally feel this all the time when I want to be an ally to, to women of color within my community. I feel the fear of, I'm going to get this wrong. I'm going to use the wrong terms. I'm going to say the wrong words. And so I stay silent instead of being an ally. And that makes me complicit in not, yeah. in not supporting women within my community who could use a little boost, who could use some support because of the, you know, oppression and other things that they are experiencing across their lives. And so I, I would say a word to men who are listening the, to this, who might be a little scared that they're going to do it wrong, that they're going to say the wrong thing. Go ahead and do it scared right? Mm -hmm. Go ahead and do it anyway. And then be open to the feedback that you might get to say, I know that you were trying to help. I know that you were trying to support me. And this is what would have helped me more, right? Yes. And then what I would say to the women listening to this is give a little grace, assume positive intent if you're able to. I know I know some of us are so beaten down and so tired that, that it is beyond what we have to give to assume positive intent. And mm -hmm. if that's the case, don't do it, right? But for those of us that have a little more, little more space to do that, when we see someone who's trying to be an ally, who is trying to take the right steps, assume positive intent and be graceful and gracious 
right, in the ways that we reply to them, but then also be willing to say, and, and this takes vulnerability on both our parts, to say, I appreciate what you're doing. Here's what would help a little bit better. The, the, way this, the way you said that thing, this is how it landed. And I think this is what you're meaning to do. This is one way to do it. And so that was something that, that I personally learned a lot from as an ally myself to, to mm -hmm. lots of people within my community. And I think that, that having that understanding on both parts will really help us move forward in the allyship space much more effectively. If we can reduce some of that fear and move, move forward ahead anyway, even though we're scared. And then also for people who are doing their best, Accept, accept their best. And then now that we know better, we're going to do a little bit better, right? I love that quote. Absolutely. Yeah, I love what you're saying there because what I recommend to people is to test things out when you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable or out of your comfort zone. Do start where you feel a little bit more comfortable, like you're saying. So if you're going to start trying to be a better male ally in the workplace one of those places to start is with someone you're already very comfortable with and you've built a good foundation of a relationship. You know, we talk about psychological safety a lot in the workplace and have you built that uh, that foundation with someone and then talking with them, hey, I want to be able to help you. Here are things that I'm actively working on doing to be able to be a better ally to you in the workplace. And if or when I get that wrong, I want you to know it's going to be okay if you tell me about it and follow up with me so that I can continue to learn and do better. And when we have those relationships and start to expand our reach, right, we've kind of tested a little bit in the waters and then can start to feel our own level of confidence of doing these things. Because I feel you right there with, you know, working to be a better ally in so many, you know, additional senses of the word. It, it can be uncomfortable, but like you're saying, if we don't get out of our own comfort zones, you know, that doesn't really get us a whole lot of places. So I so appreciate you sharing that. I love that. And, and I think that idea of starting with someone that you're already close to, like it, hopefully everybody has a friend whose life experiences are very different and can give them unique insights and perspectives. And it's, it is kind of like the teenage of equivalent of like a kid who wants to ask a girl out. Well, let me ask my sister first. Is this the right way to do that? Right. Someone that uh -huh. you have that close relationship of trust. So so as a man in a workplace setting wants to be a broad ally to a lot of people, he can start with his most trusted female friend and say, how have I been a good ally to you? How have I missed the mark and what could I do better? And as I seek to start moving forward and, and broaden the support that I can give to others, can I run some ideas by you? As I have an idea, let me run it by you. And if it works, if it, if it lands right with you, then I'm going to go ahead and move forward. So I think that's a great, great piece of advice. Yeah, because when you welcome that in advance, welcoming that feedback or that criticism, it gives space for people to actually do that, right? Especially a lot of the times as women in the workplace, we may not want to, you know, maybe ruffle any feathers. So instead of saying, hey, you know, I appreciate that you were trying to do that, but it actually made me a little bit more uncomfortable in the way that you recognized me. You know, I prefer if you're going to recognize me in a group full of people when I'm not around or something like that so that I, I feel really awkward if I'm actually physically in that space, but I so appreciate you bringing up my name nonetheless. So it's welcoming that feedback. I love that you're saying that of, hey, you know, what have I done that has worked out well? And get curious, how can I be a better ally to women in the workplace? What are ideas and suggestions that you have? How can I also support you better in the workplace as well. I love that. 
And Nicole, you're bringing up such a great point that that even as men, as women, we're looking at ourselves as groups, right? Every single one of us is a unique individual. And so one woman might love being in the in the room where she is given that support and that kudo and that pack, pat on the back, whereas another one would feel uncomfortable. And so when we're looking at these gender stereotypes, there is no one woman. There is no one man. Every every single person is an individual. We're all going to like and want different things. So don't let that deter you when you want to be an ally and you think you're doing the right thing and someone said that wasn't right. That doesn't mean that all women aren't going to love that, right? It Absolutely. just means that specific woman. And once again, I will I will just beat this drum until the end of this conversation that that one-on-one conversation and communication that we're having is essential for us to be effective allies. Absolutely. Absolutely. It seems like mentorship was ranked the highest amongst men's efforts as well as women appreciating the mentorship from these male allies. What are your thoughts? Yes, and and that came up both so strongly in our research among men and among women. And so we just I I just would like to shout this from the rooftops. It is so important for men to mentor women, right? And it's also important for women to mentor men. That's a that's maybe a conversation yes. for another day <laughs> because there's so much to be learned from those reciprocal relationships. So so the category that you had within the research brief was a little bit broader. It was called development mental relationships. And that includes mentorship, but also a lot of other types of these relationships. So women talk a lot about having a mentor versus having a sponsor. And we know that a mentor is someone who could give us advice and mentors are wonderful and absolutely essential and they can come from anywhere. Within our organization, a friend, someone who's retired, a mentor can be someone younger than us, someone less experienced because they might have mm-hmm. advice and ideas and knowledge in another realm that we don't have. A sponsor is someone who can give us opportunity, right? So I, I can get all the advice in the world and it can help me grow, But if I have someone who can actually give me opportunity, a sponsor is often someone within your organization, a boss, a manager, a leader, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. I can sponsor someone in another organization by giving her a chance to come speak at an event, for nominating her for an award, for doing these other things. So you don't need to be in the same organization as someone to sponsor them, but that's often the way that it works. And some research has shown that women are over-mentored and under-sponsored. Right. Mm -hmm. And part of this is because so many of the people who have that power to sponsor someone, to make the difference and to use their positional power and influence on someone else's behalf, they have, just like everybody else, some affinity bias, which we all have, right? That we naturally like, want to support, connect to people who are similar to us. And so a man might think, oh, I need to mentor these women, so I'll give them this advice and do these other things. But when it comes to sponsorship, where the stakes are a little bit higher, where you're actually putting your reputation on the line, you're putting maybe some of your professional clout on the line by sponsoring someone for something, it feels more comfortable and more natural to sponsor someone who is like you. Mm Because you're like, I I know this guy. I know what he's got to bring, right? And so that is a way that we need to push ourselves when we have that positional or even other types of power and authority that we were willing to push beyond our affinity bias, look for people who are different than us and say, I know it seems natural for me to want to put this guy up for this promotion, but what if instead I put this woman up? Right. Mm -hmm. So so that's that's one thing. Those are two different kinds of development relationships. And they're both absolutely critical, both essential. But there are other types too. peer coaching. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just basic friendship at work, these types of conversations, these types of relationships that we can build. So we don't we don't need to think of development relationships as being someone that 
that I'm the boss to. I can only mentor someone who's in my own organization. I have been mentored, coached, influenced by thousands of individuals at all different levels from all different organizations across areas of my life. My biggest mentor that I've ever had has been my dad. He's also been a sponsor for me as well. Yeah. And we actually find that when we talk to women, especially women who are kind of my age, I'm, I'm Gen X, mm -hmm. and there weren't a lot of powerful women leaders in within industries when, when I was growing up. So we didn't have these women to see. A lot of us did, but but not all of us did. So I, I know so many women my own age who say that same thing. My dad has been my biggest mentor because mm -hmm. they look at how the generations are changing and say, my daughter hasn't been able to see women role models. I'm going to be a role model for her. And then I'm going to help her become that role model for the next mm -hmm. generation. Oh, I love that. Gives me gives me chills. I love that. What impacted me as well, what you were saying, Robin, is the overly mentored and under-sponsored. It's kind of like talking the talk, but not walking the walk, right? And I, when you're saying that, I can instantly picture in so many instances in my own experience in my career of this exact same thing happening. It's being willing to provide guidance to people and be kind of that mentor or a guide of sorts. But then, yeah, when there becomes an opportunity for that sponsorship and bringing people's names up, who is it that you are bringing up? And I think a good test of that is having some self-reflection for anyone tuning in and thinking, if I had the opportunity to connect someone who I know for, let's say, a leadership position, who comes to mind for those opportunities and have a little bit of self-reflection on are they, you know, men, women, or maybe a different gender, or do they look similar to you? You know, and if that's the case, when we have that self-reflection, we can recognize where are there additional opportunities for me to connect and build relationships, right? That's us making that effort to connect with other people who don't look like us or don't have the similar background as us. So not only can we be a mentor, we can also actively be a sponsor. And to do that, you have to know where someone is looking to go. Hey, do you have, you know, do you aspire to become a leader? Do you aspire to, you know, grow into another organization? Where do you want to go? And that's getting curious about that other person so that you can bring their name up. And you, if you see someone posting on LinkedIn that they're looking for a certain type of person who brings these particular skills, you can say, I absolutely with confidence can say this person would be a great candidate for that role. I love that. I love that. One thing that I've done in my life, a, a habit that I've tried to instill in my life is when I have an opportunity to sponsor someone to, I recently had an organization reach out and said, we've got some spots open in this women's leadership training. We would love to, for you to nominate some people to receive scholarships, right? And so I came up with my first five names. I'm like, these five women would be amazing. And I almost sent them in and I said, hold on a second. These are five women that I'm pretty close to. We're very clannish, right? Like yeah. we, we surround ourselves with people like us. And so I knew these women all very well. I knew they'd all be great, but they were all women just like me. And I said, I'm going to name the next five women and I'm going to try to be a little bit more open. And I and I made a list of five women of color that I also knew mm -hmm. that, that were women that I also knew would be amazing, but they weren't the first people to come to my mind. Mm -hmm. And so and so I, I, I took that step and I was able to grow a little bit as an individual and say, hey, Robin, you can do a little bit better. And mm -hmm. so I've tried to to repeat that in my later 
you know, opportunities to share, sponsor, and and lift and elevate other people. So I'd invite people, you know, if you come up with a list of five names, give it a little pause and then give your next five names and see who else you come up with when you're doing that deliberately to say, who are the next five people that I'd want to recommend? I love that. And I think in the workplace, what I see and feel even again in my experience, it seems so fast paced with everything that we're doing you know, people are like, we need some recommendations for this. And then it's like, whoever's top of mind, right? That we may, again, identify as people who look like us, people who talk like us, people who are similar to us, that we've built these great relationships with. But you're right, like as we dig a little bit deeper and are more thoughtful and take a moment of that pause, I love that so much. And if everyone in the workplace could just take that pause before thinking of, oh, this person, I'd, I'd love to work with this person because they'd be so great because they're one of my great friends, right? That's great. But, you know, I I was in an interview process, for example, a little over, maybe it was like within the last year. And when they were telling me about like their company culture and their interview process was very all over the place. And they were telling me about how they had, you know, three mats and like, to Andrews or something like that. And I kind of took a moment to think, what kind of culture is this that they are creating? If they're creating a culture with people who have very similar, like not only are they similar people, they also have the same names, you know? And I I really had to give myself some pause because I've been very thoughtful on companies that I've wanted to join and really thinking if I'm speaking of let's create more diversity, equity, and and inclusion in workplaces, that means I also have to be thoughtful of organizations I'm willing to join as an employee in their efforts. If they're not making that effort and I'm seeing that their leadership team is all the same white older men, maybe that's a pause for me on if I want to join that organization. It's a different fight, right? When you're joining an organization who who claims that they are making those efforts and you don't really see that reflected in their teams. And Nicole, you've just emphasized the business case for having more diverse teams because companies are going to miss out on great people like you if they aren't making an effort to say, we really, not just talking the talk, we legitimately want to hear and benefit from the experiences, viewpoints, and perspectives of a wide variety of people. And if companies aren't doing that, then Nicole's going to come in and say, I'm not sure I want to be here, right? And, and then they're going to be missing the value that you bring, the value that so many different individuals across our communities and across the spectrum of the lifetime of experience mm-hmm. uh, could bring into our companies. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've seen the fails of ad campaigns, right? Where, you know, a company has done an ad and then they later get a lot of backlash because, you know, maybe it's a Mother's Day campaign where only men helped create that campaign and it did not land well with women or people who identify as mothers and and different things with other cultural backgrounds. You know, you got to think of who who is sitting around these tables when those decisions are being made. I have friends and and men in other organizations who I see doing certain things and I'm like, tell me, you know, I get I get curious. Tell me who was involved in that decision. Tell me, did you have any women adding their insights into how this might be perceived? Even for an event that I went to last week before it got started, I said, hey, is there going to be a nursing parents room available? Because I know there's mothers in the community who are wanting to come to this. 
I think it'd be amazing if you called out the, that this was available so that that nursing mother, like I've been there where I, if it's an eight hour event, like you need to have somewhere to go that's not a bathroom or like an awkward office that you feel like someone's going to walk in on you or like gender neutral bathrooms, like thinking of things that maybe aren't applicable to certain people. Like I am a straight white woman. So what does a gender neutral bathroom benefit me? It it's not necessarily something that I think about in a day-to-day, but what I would want to have at an event for people to feel, again, more included and not feel othered of sorts. Yeah, I love it. Amazing. What can women tuning into this episode do to gain more male allies in the workplace? You've shared so much about this, and I'll definitely share this research brief in the show notes because I love the different percentages of how everything is breaking down. But how can a woman tuning into this say, I, I need this, I want this, I want more of this? What what can they do? What's your advice? I love it. I give this workshop all the time that I use that old famous line from Jerry Maguire, help me help you, right? Mm-hmm. And and I as women, we need to help the male allies in our lives understand how to better help us. And it starts again with a very clear and open communication. So so maybe a, a couple of points that I'll lead with. First mm-hmm. of all is look out. And there are a lot of signals that happen within your organization. You can kind of see just by the conversations that happen, by the way you're interacting with others, what men within your company and your sphere are really interested in being better allies. So I would start with them. You don't need to convince like the guy who's a jerk and always making sexist jokes like, Leave him for another day, right? Mm -hmm. You start with the people who you already have a sense, this is something they care about. This is something they want to do. And and I would also look to the people that you already want to be your mentors, to be your sponsors, that you understand that there's a lot of value in, in what they can bring into your relationship. I'll say something else about women and, and professional relationships that we are hesitant in many ways to leverage um, transactional relationships. Men are trained to be much more confident with this. Like, I help this guy out. Now he's going to help me out or whatever. And as women, we are taught to be nurturers. We're taught to be caregivers. We're taught to be unselfish and and just give, 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 give. And mm-hmm. so it is hard for us sometimes to look at someone and say, I want to ask somebody for help. I want to reach out to someone and know that they can bring some value into my professional life. And, and I know that I can bring some value there as well, but that's not my primary goal. That is a hard thing for women to overcome. So and I just hard. want to encourage you to give it a shot, right? Take a baby step, ask for some help, ask for what you need. That is essential. And, and we're not going to get the, the male allies that we need in our lives unless we ask for it. We might be lucky enough to have a few people just volunteer and just take that role in our lives without our... Uh, without any interaction on our part, but it's unlikely. Mm-hmm. So identify the people that you think would be great allies to you, potentially, who seem really open and wanting to do this work. Reach out to the people that you know can already help you, and then be ready to ask them specifically for what you need as clearly as you can. I would really, I ask people all the time, will you nominate me for this award? I have people ask me all the time to nominate me. It's because I'm a really good writer. I write really good award nominations. So people ask me to do it, right? And I'm so happy to do it because I have amazing people in my network that I want to win these awards. Awards actually make a big difference in your career. They elevate you. They help people recognize, oh, that's someone, she should come work for us. We should hire her to do some consulting for us or whatever. So it's okay. That that feels really awkward. People are like, oh no, that's, that's drawing attention to myself. That's an awkward thing to ask. Everybody does it. Just so you know, everybody asks other people to nominate them for them awards. Uh, uh, ask someone to say, I really need to meet this person. I know that you know him. 
Will you make an introduction? Right. Be specific with the things that you ask for. And then after you have this, after it goes well, hopefully it goes well. And they said, of course, I would love to introduce you to this person. Then follow up. Let them know that that introduction was so great. Next time, can you also do the, do X, right? I, I don't know what else you need, but be yeah. willing to give them feedback in a way that you're validating and being grateful for all the wonderful things they've done and then train them a little bit more. This is mm -hmm. how you can help me even more next time, right? So yeah. this feels a little bit awkward, but but as, as women, many of us are mothers, like we've trained our kids. We can train the allies in our lives. And then <laughs> we also absolutely have to be open to the feedback as well. There's nothing that drives you more crazy as a mentor when someone asks your advice and then they don't take it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and not all advice is great. We don't have to take all advice that we are given, but be open to it, really listen and recognize that this person that you've asked to be your mentor might know more than you do. Mm -hmm. And so give it a shot and, um, and then keep these relationships long-term. I, I have mentors that have been in my life for five, 10 years, and I know that they will continue to help and support me and, and help me raise to the level of career that I want to have. And so I would say, keep the, don't, don't ask for one favor, ask for one bit of support and then drop it forever. And the other thing that you can really do mm -hmm. is give a shout out. That's what I, it wasn't a call yeah. out that I wanted before. It was yeah, a shout, shout out, out, right? Give a shout out to, to men that you see doing a great job, just like all of us, like People, people love a little pat on the back. People love a little recognition. Mm -hmm. And when I think men, when they see other people, other men getting recognized for being great allies, it maybe gives them an idea. I should be doing that too. Of mm -hmm. course I could do that. I want to help raise, remove the barriers that, that so many women are facing and use whatever power or influence I have to, um, to open some doors for women that have had them shut to them in the past. Yes. So much good advice. I specifically love what you're saying. There are going to be male allies that simply automatically bring your name up in a room full of opportunities. I was at a, an event and I had a, a male ally with me and I was a little bit nervous. I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to go introduce myself to so-and-so. And they already had connections. So they were like, come on over, you know, let me introduce you. And it's so nice when someone helps take some additional initiative. And I love what you're saying too. There's almost a level right underneath that where there are men who want to be better allies, but us as women can do a little bit better of a job of practicing sharing what we need and being willing. That was when you said that, I could think of the moments when I had people starting to want to pour into me and that, like I had a 30 minute mentor session with a friend and they were just giving me advice and guidance and all these things. And it felt so weird to not then turn it around of how can I help you? And it's absolutely that reciprocal relationship, but it doesn't have to be in that exact moment. Allow people to pour into you in that moment and, and soak it in and simply say, Thank you so much for your guidance and your mentorship. And like you said, those those shout outs to people of appreciating how helpful they've been, whether that's in a public forum or if that's, again, in these one-on-one -on -one sessions and you're saying following up, take the advice and go take action or follow up with me and say, hey, you know, I loved the feedback that you gave me. There were a couple of things that I realized don't align with me and how I am choosing to move forward. But what I did take from your advice is X, Y, and Z. And I'm so appreciative 
now I'm here. Can you help me get guidance on where I can go next? Right. So every little piece of the way you're, you know, touching base. And I think a big theme of this entire discussion has been that communication, that back and forth, being willing to give feedback, being willing to receive it, being willing to be a little bit open and vulnerable and absolutely communicating, hey, here's where I'm at now, but this is where I'd love to grow. I know for me, one of the biggest things in my career was when I got approached by a recruiter and I felt so cool that a recruiter was coming to, you know, headhunt me. And I was like, how do you even know who I am? I thought it was honestly a scam. I went right to my boss and I said, hey, I just got a call from a guy who says he's a recruiter and he wants me to join his startup that's coming to Utah. And I I don't know if I should believe if it's real or not, you know? And he was like, tell me a little bit more about it. Here's some questions you could ask. And he was my number one supporter. He was like, get out of this organization and you will bloom, right? And I had so many people who said, oh, that's a terrible decision. You have such a bright future here. You know, why would you take that risk? And it was all because that that mentor and that sponsor said, go do it, you know? And that meant leaving him, right, to find a replacement for me, but was so huge and, and pivotal in my career to get that, you know, buy-in to tell me it's okay to do that for you. And and he'll be okay, you know, and and we're still friends and have found great opportunities for each other since then. But yeah, it was a really cool opportunity. I love that. And what a perfect example of a true leader, right? Someone, so a true ally, but also a true leader, knowing I'm not going to do what's best for me. I'm not this person who wants to keep everything for myself. I really want the people around me to thrive and blossom. And then he encouraged you to yes. do that. I love that story. Absolutely. I was like leaning on him more so than even my husband's advice at the time. Well, Robin, what a great discussion today. Thanks so much for hanging out with me. I would love for people to connect with Robin over on LinkedIn. I will also, like I said, link this amazing research brief in the show notes so you can go and review it and follow up with Robin with any questions or any comments that you want to chat with her about as well. But thanks again, Robin, so much. Hey, it's great to talk to you. Congratulations on all the work you're doing. And it's exciting to watch your own sphere of influence grow. Thank you. All right, friends. I am sure you loved that episode as much as I loved having that conversation with Robin. I am imagining you have many things that you are thinking about, things that as we had our conversation, maybe different thoughts were popping up in your mind as far as who your male allies are in the workplace and how you can communicate with them to help them help you in the workplace. Please take action on this instead of simply getting that information overload and consuming content. My goal with how I structure my episodes is so that you can take information you're hearing from these episodes and taking them into your workplace, implementing them right away, starting to have more conversations, gaining more male allies in your workplace so you can stand out as you grow in your career. And if you haven't checked out the Future Leaders program, I invite you to have a discussion with me. 
There's another link that will be in the show notes to book a no-obligation chat around the Future Leaders program. If you have a desire to grow into a leadership role, the Future Leaders program will help get you there faster. And my guarantee is that I work with everyone who comes through the program until they get promoted. Don't hesitate, book that call, and let's chat about the Future Leaders program. The link is in the show notes, and until next time, we'll see you later.